Analogies and welcome to Book 101. Book 101 is all about the books that I read for the last 40 years. And today I have my special guest. She's daughter of the book Alice in Wonderland. No other than Miss Liz Biller. Hi, Daniel. It's great to be here. Welcome back, Miss Miss Lise. And can you please introduce yourself? Sure. Uh, I am a fairly new author. I spent a career, well, several careers. I started out in business and financial services marketing. And then I moved to my creative side and I began voice acting and singing, mostly jazz and standards. And then at the beginning of the pandemic, uh, performing wasn't really an option. And I turned to something on my bucket list, which is writing. And my first book is Alice in Condoland, and I've been writing ever since. Well, congratulations, Miss Liz. Talk about your debut. Is it your debut book, right? It is, yes. Let's talk about your debut book, and let's read it. All right. So this is a book about a young woman who goes from New York City to South Florida. And uh, things in New York work according to rules she understands and you do the right thing. At least that's what she perceives. And when she gets to South Florida, the rules don't apply and she finds corruption everywhere and she can't handle it. But uh, let's just start at the beginning so you understand how she made her transition. Yes. Okay. Chapter one. From yuppies to yentas. I never planned to live in Florida. I first visited Boca Raton on a business trip. My employer, Big Effing Card, BFC, had a call center there. It was a warm, sunny escape from winter in Manhattan. And SPF 70 was a small price to pay for three days in paradise. My cousin fixed me up with a charming Cuban in Miami Beach. Forewarned of his womanizing, I expected nothing more than a good-looking tour guide. He must have charmed the front desk clerk because he knocked on my hotel room door unannounced. Just a minute. I ran to the bathroom, sprayed my honey-colored bob against the humidity, and put on mauve lipstick. My favorite little black dress hugged my trim figure. Whatever curves I had were on display. I opened the door. Where's the funeral, he asked. Not the reaction I envisioned. What do you mean? I looked down at my dress. He put his finger under my chin and lifted my face. He was six feet tall. Even with my three-inch heels, he had six inches on me. Why is a beautiful girl like you wearing black? I'm from New York. He flashed a dimpled smile. I'm teasing you, Flacca. You look stunning. This is some tour guide. We dined and danced at a famous Cuban restaurant on Lincoln Road in Miami Beach. Palm trees grew between the tables with skylights overhead. I'd never seen anything like it or him. He lived in the moment, and in that moment, so did I. I returned to Florida a few weeks later for a wedding in Key Biscayne. An Argentinian friend from business school was marrying his childhood sweetheart, 
and I invited the Cuban as my date. The ceremony started at 7 p.m. My date picked me up at 7.15. 7.15! Flaca, you're wearing color. I bought a red dress for the occasion. Does he own a watch? I started the ceremony singing Ave Maria. I said, we're late. I've ruined my friend's wedding. Relax, Flaca. It's an Argentine wedding, right? I nodded. They're on Latin time. Time is time, and the ceremony started 15 minutes ago. I took deep breaths. They didn't help. We'll be early, don't worry. I couldn't look at him, I was so angry. We arrived at 7.30. I ran to the hotel door while he sauntered past the palm trees, hands in the pockets of his beige linen suit, admiring the birds of paradise and the bougainvillea spilling onto either side of the sidewalk. Panting, I opened the door and ran inside to apologize. The equipment room was empty. Guests started arriving an hour later and I began singing at 9 p.m. Back in New York, exhaust fumes greeted me at the pickup area outside LaGuardia. In the taxi to my apartment, I stared out the window. The weather, the buildings, everything was dull and gray. I hadn't noticed before, but I love New York. I had a coveted marketing job at BFC, great friends. Still, I worked long hours and my yearly raise barely covered the increase for my one-bedroom rent-stabilized apartment on the Upper West Side. I couldn't imagine ever being able to afford something bigger. I'd just turned 28 and wasn't meeting anyone. I was in a rut. The next morning on my way to work, I hit gridlock in Midtown. I jumped out of the cab at Times Square and ran towards Sixth Avenue just as a drizzle turned into a downpour. Weaving through the crowded sidewalk, I dodged an umbrella aimed straight at my head. I was cold, wet, and miserable when it dawned on me. I needed a change. Color and warmth. Sunshine. I saw myself dancing in the Cuban restaurant, singing at the wedding, wearing a red dress. I was ready to live in the moment. Florida. But I couldn't just up and move. Could I? I'm not seeing anyone. My landlord would love to end my lease and jack up the rent. But I'd need a job. I was 29 when my transfer finally came through. I moved to South Florida as one of BFC's directors covering Latin America. At first, I rented an apartment on the beach. I thought I bought my first car, a hardtop convertible. No more subway for me. When black mold seeped out of the walls of my apartment, I complained to management, who sent a maintenance guy to inspect. Mold? I don't think that's mold. Have you tried cleaning it? A lady down the hall was in the hospital with a lung problem. When her dog got sick, I knew I had to get out of there. There was no point arguing with the building. Two months before my 30th birthday, I paid off the remainder of my lease and bought my first home, a condominium. My one-bedroom rent-stabilized apartment on the Upper West Side cost more than my South Florida condo mortgage and monthly maintenance combined. I bought a two-bedroom apartment with a balcony overlooking the intercoastal waterway 
in a place called Condo Land. It had four closets, an in-unit washer and dryer, floor-to-ceiling views, and a garbage disposal. Unbelievable! I moved on a Friday. My parents flew down from Newton, Massachusetts to help. I still don't understand why you want to live here, said my mom. This is where all the cockas go to die. No, it's not, I said. It's changed. It's full of young people. She got to what was really bothering her. You're so far from us. Her face grew somber. What if we have an emergency? Being an only child was a blessing and a curse. I had my parents' undivided attention. My mom was 65 and my dad was 72. He'd had bypass surgery, but they were both still strong and independent. My dad turned to her. Look, it's a four-hour drive from Newton to New York and a three-hour flight to South Florida. She'll actually be closer. My mom pursed her lips. My dad grabbed my hands. Most important thing to me, to us, is your happiness, Alice. Don't worry. I managed to smile, wiping my eyes, the same hazel green as his. He pulled some tissues from his shirt pocket and mumbled about allergies. Your mother and I will be just fine. His voice softened. You're only young once, Bubula. This is an adventure. I'm excited for you. By Saturday night, we'd unpacked all the big boxes and were ready to celebrate. As an owner in good standing, I had access to Condoland's clubhouse, replete with a movie theater, gym, spa, game room, swimming pool, basketball, and tennis courts. Its crown jewel was a residence-only restaurant. As we entered, the restaurant manager greeted me by name. Word of the new young girl had traveled fast. I was home. Saturday nights in the restaurant were festive. A wooden dance floor in the center of the room filled with diners moving to the sounds of a one-man band. Couples were swinging. When the band played Hava Nagila, dancers joined hands, weaving sideways in the traditional circle. That Saturday was lobster night. Seated in a cream leather booth in the upper section, perfect to see everyone and everything below, a group of widows attacked heaping plates of lobster. Their sequins and diamonds caught the light. One wore a white fur cape, this was June. Another wore four-inch Jimmy Choo shoes, her feet dangling above the floor. Thick makeup covered their Botox, wrestling faces. My dad observed them attack their shellfish. The ladies who lunch, he said with an amused smirk. They look like clowns, said my mom. They don't have your skin, Diane, said my dad. Below this kosher crime in progress and two tables over, Saul Rabinowitz was celebrating his 90th birthday. His wedding picture sat on an easel behind him, surrounded by balloons. Several of his shellfish-eating guests wore yarmulkes. When it came time to toast, they wished him to live bis a Hindu in Svansik. My, my dad beamed. I was happy he approved of my new environs. Did I just move to the Florida Catskills? The next morning, we ate breakfast on my balcony watching boats and yachts go by on the intracoastal. In the afternoon, we explored the property. Manicured walking paths with exotic flowers and palm trees encircled each of Condoland's three residential towers. 
There were water fountains everywhere. My favorite path ran alongside the Intracoastal, where unit owners moored their boats. It was so beautiful, I pinched myself to be sure I wasn't dreaming. The water, clear as glass, broke into waves, crashing against the seawall as a yacht the size of a cruise ship passed. My mom cringed as smaller boats followed, filled with teenagers blasting Latin pop music. How inconsiderate, she said. Maybe, but it beats honking horns and garbage trucks. My dad hooked her arm, leading us toward the clubhouse overlooking the intercoastal. Let's see the gym, he said. The gym was on the lower floor of the clubhouse. The lobby's floor-to-ceiling windows maximized spectacular views. The floors were marble. Our footsteps echoed as we walked toward the elevator. My mom frowned at the data decor. I wasn't complaining. It was a huge step up from my pre-war New York building where double locks and a basement laundry room were the only amenities. We walked past the restaurant to the movie theater. My mom ran childlike to the upper section, sinking into a plush chair. I could get used to this, she said. We took the elevator to the gym. There was a room for fitness classes and mirrored walls and an equipment room with outdated but functional machines and free weights. Use of the clubhouse facilities was included in my monthly maintenance. Outside, people people, we passed people dining al fresco under large umbrellas. There was a lap pool around which deeply tanned, leather-skinned unit owners stunned in chaises. They looked like raisins. An attendant went from raisin to raisin, offering pitchers of water and lemonade. Another brought fresh towels. Better they should offer sunblock, said my mom. You can do laps here, said my dad. We followed a rock-lined path to the tennis courts behind the clubhouse. Even with sunglasses, the glare was blinding. How can anyone play in this heat? Returning to Condo Land One, we explored the public rooms in the lobby. A party room, game room, conference room, and a card room filled with ladies sitting four to a table. My mom wandered into the wood-paneled library. Searching shelves of donated books, she pulled out poetry by Emily Dickinson. Mommy, take it with you. Really? We're on the honor system. Just bring it back when you finish. I can't get over it, she gushed. My daughter has her own library. Come on, hun, he said my dad. Let's help Alice finish unpacking. He checked my mailbox while I took my mom to the ladies' room. We joined him in the mailroom just in time. The widows from last night were encircling. He was the perfect trifecta, breathing, ambulatory, and alone. He seemed oblivious, and I pulled him out of there before my mom noticed. One widow turned to another and whispered loudly, Oi, he's married. I glared at her. She glared back, defiant. The night before their flight home, I served drinks on the balcony. As the sun set, the ocean changed colors, green near the shore, to aqua, to sapphire, to navy near the horizon. The sky flared bright orange as the sun set, filled with white cotton balls. My dad said he wanted to reach up and touch them. I'm still tempted. Amazing chapter of oh. Alice in Condoland. Thank you. Thank you very much. But before we go on, I want to shout out to uh, my daily ranks according to my Apple chart because in Norway, 
I got 20 on the Apple chart. Malaysia 131, Zambia 166, Nepal at 180, Thailand at 150, Uganda 150, Albania at 47, Kazakhstan at 64, Bahrain at 82, Mongolia at 136, and a lot more. Thank you so much for supporting this podcast because this podcast is created to empower writers all over the world like Miss Liz Baylors. So Miss Liz, Alice in Condoland, how did you craft it? Well, uh, you know, I really had no idea what I was doing when I started. So I joined a writer's group and that was fortuitous. And uh, it just took about, I don't know, 3,000 edit edit rounds. (laughs) 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 It it was a lot of writing and rewriting, but it was truly a labor of love. Certainly. How did you come up with the title of Alice in Condoland? Well, uh, she's just in a strange universe. I mean, she really cannot fathom what's going on in this place. And so because it was odd, I thought her name is Alice and it's an odd situation. And it's obviously a, a play on Alice in Wonderland. What was the writing process like? Uh, I would try to write at least two pages a day, which I learned visiting the Hemingway house in, uh, in Key West, that that's what he did. And, you know, some days I'd have three or four pages and some days it would only be one. But on average, I tried to do two pages a day, uh, a chapter a week. And I just sat down every day and did it. And then I had to rewrite uh, several times, number of times. The writer's group was, I mean, a godsend. And I would, my advice to anyone who's getting started is join a writer's group. You can find them in your public library. You can find them on Meetup. You can find them on the internet. Uh, It is a safe place for you to try new things and get helpful feedback and to give feedback. And you learn by, by helping each other. Yes. So, Ms. Liz, did you draw from any, any personal experiences when you crafting the story or character? I think every writer draws from what they know. Uh, and I had lived in South Florida for over 20 years. Corruption there is a daily headline. I mean, it's just what happens. In, and particularly in condos, they have a big problem. And I lived in a condo, so I knew, I knew the characters, the you know the stereotypes. I knew um, the funny of it, and uh, and I think as we were in the lockdown at the beginning of the pandemic, I had time on my hands. That's when I started this, and I found that the headlines were just full of corruption, and it it bothered me so. Like Alice, I don't like corruption. I don't like dishonesty. So I think that was a personal experience that drove it. And and some, you know, some general highlights of the character. I lived in New York. I moved to South Florida. So those are the similarities, I would say. Yes. And according to Miss Sarah M, I love it. So what are the elements that you put in your story that people love it? 
let's see. It's, I think it starts with the humor. Um, because I tried to make it funny because I think that there's a lesson in this about personal empowerment, but you have to, people can absorb information or messages, I think, more readily when we're in a good mood. So when we're laughing. Uh, so that was an element of it. Uh, another element for me was I, I disliked what I perceive as the demonization of the Latin community, uh, of the immigrant Latins in this country. And the folks that I knew in South Florida were exiles. They were immigrants, meaning they had to flee their country for, you know, reasons of corruption. So there's that theme again. And they were wonderful people, learned people, uh, accomplished people. So I wanted to show that dimension of this very rich mosaic that is South Florida. Um, and the third thing is, I believe in the power of one. And I'm gonna say something that's contradictory, um, but I believe that one person can start something, uh, but there's an African proverb that really inspires me, which I think is the inspiration for my first two books. And that is, um, if you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, go together. Definitely interesting. Ms. Lees, what do you hope readers will take away from your book after they finish reading it? I hope that they will be inspired to make a change in their own lives and their own communities. Uh, but the change comes through getting others who agree with you. You can't do it by yourself. Although you can start something. So that's the power of one, right? Okay. Uh, I hope that they will look at the people around them with... Uh, if their eyes aren't already open with, with more uh, expansive glances to try to understand people who are different from them. And I hope they will enjoy themselves because the book is funny. It's fun, fun, fun. Alice in Condoland. So, Miss Lees, can you share a memorable moment from your writing journey that had a significant impact on the book? I think uh, hearing from an agent that I had to further develop my characters, and that made me go back and really look at the the individuals in the story and, and really give them more of a backstory, develop who they were and what motivated them. How important was the research in creating the world or context of your book? Uh, it was important. I had to look up a lot of articles about condo fraud. Uh, but I also had, you know, a general, he, I'd heard about it for so long, just living down there. But, but it was important, not, not uber important, but, but fairly important. Definitely. But before we go on, Miss Liz, I'm inviting you to listen to my other podcast, uh, Food 101, our fourth season with Chef Alessandro, one of the best executive chefs in one of the five-star restaurants in downtown Toronto. And plus one more, our books are out. Not only one, but 13 volumes, people. Food 101, Volume 1, Basics, until 12 is only the books that you need, how to create 
our delicious food available at Amazon and leading online bookstores worldwide. So, Miss Lee's, how do you think your book stands out in its genre or category? Well, I think that's for others to say, but what I will tell you is I have heard from readers uh, around the country that this is their story. So I hit upon some sort of a truth that there is, and I'm learning, there is a real problem of condo corruption in Hawaii, in Florida, in even in Massachusetts, in Oklahoma. Um, this is a national problem and it needs more oversight. So there are people that connect to it because they're, they've been through it. They're going through it and they're looking for a way to solve it. And uh, I hope they find, I mean, they tell me they find inspiration in the story. So Ms. Liz, can you share one of the corruption that you put in the story? Uh, sure. So uh, the the board comes to the uh, to the to the residents to the unit owners and tells them that they want to renovate the clubhouse. And this is one that I find other people in other states have also been through. And uh, you know, it comes to after a very long construction period, they find out there were all kinds of things that were overlooked and. The board comes back after swearing up and down that this would be the budget and it would be locked in at a certain amount that it had to double, that the budget doubled because there were things like termites or uh, mold that they uh, overlooked. They say they didn't know, but then in the story you see they, they did know. And so it's part of what starts to outrage the unit owners. Oh, yes. Interesting indeed, Ms. Lee. So there's a, is there a follow-up for this? At this time, no. Are you planning uh, to? No, at this time, I'm not. Uh, I've talked to a couple producers who, who thought, told me to think about it. But um, as far as I, I know right now, I'm not. I don't see it. I think it's a one-off story. Okay, so Ms. Liz, lastly, what's next for you as an author? The next book is going to be called The Summer of 76. It's a middle grade story that takes place in Lexington, Massachusetts. And uh, it takes place between 1976 and 1776. So totally different setting. Um, but a similar theme of uh, one person trying to uh, organize others to fight to fight a wrong. Yes, indeed. So, what will be the timeline? I don't know. I'm doing my ten thousand four hundred and eighty third review right now. Uh, you know, revision. I'm going through my last round, and and then I'll try to submit it for publishing. Good luck for that, Miss Liz. And you Thank are you. most you are most welcome to come back and promote it. Let's Thank read you. it and talk about how you crafted the book itself. Can you invite our listeners to support Alice in Condoland? Absolutely. You can find it pretty much anywhere you buy books online. 
uh, and your bookstore can order it for you. And I hope you will enjoy it. Yes, people, let's support Miss Liz because if you su- because if you support her, more, more, more books to come, right, Miss right. Liz? That is exactly right. Thank you. Yes, and Miss Liz, thank you for reading and thank you for your time. Thank you for having me, Daniel. It's a pleasure. Bodycom people, see you soon.